please, if you could turn there in the Word of God. And I realized this morning that I, I had more scriptures than I thought. And so we're going to go through a few through the message this morning. And so, uh, but I'm sure you're all ready. And uh, we'll work through the Bible. And we'll uh, draw out these wonderful truths. Praise the Lord. Um, uh, we are continuing in a, this particular series, The Elementary Principles of Christ, our spirit, or Spiritual Foundations, and um, um, they, the Word of God brings us into perspective when it lists some of the, 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 the foundations or the elementary principles in which we find in Hebrews chapter 6, and so we're systematically working through each and just to get a, a understanding of, of exactly, you know, in, in a sense, exactly what it is that the, the scripture is saying because the foundation is so imperative. It's so important that a proper foundation is laid because that really sets the scene as we proceed forth. And if we proceed on a false principle or a false understanding or a false teaching or a concept of God or practice or doctrine or whatever it is, eventually it'll catch up with us. And it can take years sometimes. But the foundation has to be set in order. You know, I uh, work in the building industry and if the, um, I've seen where they've had to pull the whole the structure down because the foundation was right, and when they built, eventually, after the, the, as it was completed, they saw how, you know, wacky and out of line it is. And that's what it can, it can happen. So the foundations this morning are very, very important. And so let's read um, chapter 6, verse 1 and 2 again, and we just want to just refresh ourselves. Remember Paul's uh, writing and he's speaking in the context of them leaving the elementary principles because uh, not laying again the foundation but in listing them we identify the foundation and so we're focusing on these things. Okay, chapter 6 verse 1. Therefore leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ let us go on to perfection or maturity not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. These we will do if God permits. Hallelujah. Father, I just pray this morning, Lord, as we turn our minds, Lord, to you and to your word. God, I pray, give us an understanding. Help us, Lord, to receive the Word of God. Help us, Lord, to obey the Word of God. Help us, Lord, to, uh, to um, uh, yield ourselves to you and that the foundations would be set in each and every heart and life, Lord. I pray your blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, last week, when we were looking still at repentance from dead works and faith towards God, and really, as I have had stated, we've obviously separated them in the context of wanting to systematically teach them and work through them. But repentance and faith, they go hand in hand, in, and that's why it's mentioned in the way in which it is. Um, I, 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 I say it's, it's like a coin. There's two sides to the same coin. And so, um, uh, th though they are... Um, intimately tied together in, in relation to salvation, repentance and from dead works and faith towards God, they are distinctly different in the sense that one represents and teaches us and reveals something to us and, and so does faith. Repentance and faith, you can't say in that that they are the same, although they are intimately connected in this process. And so it's important for us to make that distinction. And so repentance from dead works, really involves us turning away from, because we're repenting, we're turning away a change of mind, a change of heart, a change or in, our, in our will in the course of life. We looked at that uh, last week. and But it's not just turning away from. What is important is where we are turning to. Amen. And so it's repentance from dead works and faith toward God. 
And so this is very important for us to, to uh, identify because this short little phrase, faith toward God, teaches us something. It shows us something, especially in the nature of what faith is because it's, uh, it doesn't just say faith, it says faith toward God. And this is important as we kind of identify along the way, but especially in the modern church today, in all the various teachings of what faith is, you know, believe and, uh, and so forth. And I believe there's a misunderstanding uh, of what faith ultimately is in its, in its demonstration. But faith towards God is really what this is about. It's faith towards Him. And this truth was what was preached by Paul. I mean, we're identifying it here in the book of Hebrews, but you know, when Paul speaks in the book of Acts and he's speaking and addressing the elders in Ephesus, he makes it clear that the message he preached both to Jews and Gentiles was in essence the same. And he says these words, it was repentance towards God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, he uses the same phrase, uh, toward, faith toward, because faith has to be in God. It has to be in Christ. And therefore, it is imperative this morning that we understand and grasp what true biblical faith is and identify to an extent what it is not. And, um, and, or uh, in, in its fullness, we might say, because it does incorporate a few things, but faith has to be understood in, its, in, in, in the whole and what it's made up of to really establish what biblical faith is. So to, it is towards God. And so the question is, so what is faith? And what is faith towards God? Now again, this might seem pretty elementary for some, but it is elementary. We are looking at the elementary principles of Christ. And so I pray that um, uh, it's always refreshing to hear these things because the just shall live by faith. So faith towards God is not just in the context of salvation as we are seeing, but also in the course and journey of the Christian life to begin, from beginning to end, the issue of faith is always important. Amen? And that's why it's always good to hear the Word of God and to identify with these truths because in life and the various trials and sufferings and experiences that we endure, it is our faith, amen, that overcomes. And so, it's a look at what is faith. You know, I would... I mean, again, there's, there's a number. I mean, the, the Bible will define it for us in a moment, and there's lots of things that we can talk about when we we talk about faith. But faith is, listen, is fully trusting in God alone. Faith is fully trusting in God alone. Now, the reason why I say that because faith is more and not more than, and it's not just. Believing in God. Now, this is very important. Believing in God is, is obviously a very large component of what defines faith. But it's not believing in God alone that is in and of itself faith. Okay, it's a difference here and I'll show you what I mean by that. That's why the scripture, when James is talking about faith and works, he says that even the demons believe and tremble. That there, and that there is only one true God. And so they believe, but we know that, you know, we know that they aren't in heaven. And a lot of people will say, well, I believe in God, but we can look at their lives and say, well, I don't see an, a demonstration or the evidence of faith in you. Okay, but I believe. See, there's a distinction here. And that distinction has to be understood. Because it's, there is a big difference and believing must translate into trusting. And this, in, and this issue of trust is more uh, connected with, as, as other aspects are, as we'll see, in, in, in the issue of what faith is. I found this example uh, reading recently. And um, it, there was, a, a, in a, it's a, what is it, 1859, there was a man, a famous uh, person who... Uh, uh, on, walked across on a tightrope on Niagara Falls. And so he did this and it was obviously an amazing feat, especially in those days and all the rest of it. And so the crowds were there and all the, um, 
uh, important people, I guess, and whatever else. And, and so he did it and they were, they were in awe and they, re, you know, they were shouting his praises. And uh, he said to them, do you believe I can cross from here to there with a person on my back? And they said, oh, absolutely, you are great. Yes, you are awesome, of course you can. And he said, well, I'm going to call for a volunteer. And they all kind of sat there and said, not me. You see, and so he got his manager on his back and he walked across the tightrope over in uh, the other side to demonstrate. But what he was doing is he was, he was challenging. Do you really believe in me? You believe I can do it, but no one was willing to trust in me to do it. And so they fell short, in a sense, because uh, uh, in, in this instance, and this captures and illustrates for us to a degree, um, the issue of faith. When we talk about biblical faith, because faith must translate into trusting God. You have to trust God. If you believe in God, you've got to trust in God. Because the, in life, it's so easy and so tempting so many times and this, to, for people to take control, to trust in themselves. And so we have this underlining principle of faith that relates to the issue of trust. But there's another connection too, and it's the issue of confidence. Trust and confidence. And now all these words are, go hand in hand and you know, they help us understand faith, but they're all very important because the Greek word for faith um, is pistis and it means a firm persuasion, an assurance, a conviction, a belief. So it involves a belief, uh, but it, it, it translates into something more. And the, it comes from a root word meaning confidence. Confidence. And that's why in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, it says, and it defines faith for us when it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. The substance of things hoped for and the evidence. The substance and evidence. They're the key. And hope for, and things not seen. Obviously, it's all interrelated. But you see, the evidence has to do with the proof. It has to do with the confidence. I mean, where's the evidence lie? It lies in our faith, amen, because faith believes it and trusts for it and declares it, and so there is a, there is a, a, um, a possession of it. But it's the substance of things hoped for. And the evidence of things not seen, and that word substance comes from a Greek word, again, hypostasis, which has two words, hypo meaning under, and stasis meaning to stand, and it refers to the substructure, so to speak, the substance of things hoped for, and we stand, amen, upon the word of God. We stand upon the promises of God. God himself in all that he has revealed himself to be, all that he has said, all that he has declared, our faith is based on the substance of things hoped for, which is what's revealed in this book, and the evidence of things not seen, because we are convinced. Amen? And we are trusting God, because God is faithful and God is true. Hebrews 11.6, it tells us again, without faith it is impossible to please God. For those that come to him must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. See, faith is what pleases God. When we trust him, and when we are confident in believing in who he is and what he has said, this pleases God. You see, faith must be exercised this morning. It must be demonstrated in our lives. It must be observable. And what I mean by that, there is a connection in relation to the way in which we speak. But again, it's more, mostly seen in the way in which we live. How we live and conduct ourselves uh, is very important in this instance. That's why repentance and faith go together because if someone's going to have a profession of faith 
and there, and there is no evidence of, of, of repentance, then it, it is uh, fair to say that, that can be, we can question uh, what's going on there, in, in this is in relation to salvation here, because uh, we're not seeing them forsaking the, uh, the sin and turning away from uh, the idolatry or whatever the case may be in which they are turning from dead works uh, and exercising faith towards God. It has to be seen and observable. You see, one of the things that you must understand is obedience is always the hallmark of faith in the same way that disobedience is the hallmark of unbelief. And the two go, are connected in that, in, that, uh, in, that, in that way. And so the issue also is, may I say, is not, is not just how great is your faith. I mean, that's important and great is, uh, faith is to grow. But Jesus said that, that we must have just faith as a mustard seed. Or in other words, uh, what is more, of more concern to God is the genuineness of our faith. Though this, you know, mustard seed being small, it does whether it's small or great, it, you know, God works, he works with that. But it's, it's based on the genuineness of faith that must be evident and that's what God acknowledges. So let's look at this a bit further. We talked about trust, trusting God alone for salvation. See, when we talk about these elementary principles, this is what we're talking about. Every world religion has some kind of effort that is required. You have to do, there's so much, some level of works. It's not faith alone. So when we talk about faith alone that saves, this is, uh, this is what separates Christ and Christianity from uh, other world religions because you've always got to do, do this and do that in order to be accepted. But for us, it's in this sense, it's faith alone that saves us, uh, not dead works, not our works uh, that somehow uh, attain for us or earn our way. We are trusting in all that God has done in his provision through Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? There's nothing we can do. That's what James was uh, saying in the communion. We cannot save ourselves. We can't rescue ourselves. We are in sin, under the dominion of sin, under the power of sin, under the wrath of God and through Christ Jesus alone, amen, and through everything that God has done in Christ, our faith rests in him and we trust in him alone for our salvation because he did it all. That's the basis of it. There's, no, there's, uh, there's, there's salvation in no other name in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. See, our faith towards God is faith towards Christ because Christ is the one who laid down his life. Christ is the one who did it all. Amen. And so we have faith towards God. So let's identify a bit further how this works. Go to Hebrew, uh, sorry, uh, Romans chapter 10. Again, a familiar portion of scripture, but it's illustrative because Paul's talking about the issue of faith. And he says in verse 8, he says, But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we preach. Notice the expression, the word of faith that we preach. Not the word faith movement, not anything of that sort. That's not faith, that's something else. Uh, it's not faith towards God at all. But he says that the word of faith that we preach, verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, He who, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You see, the word of faith. It is faith in Christ alone. It is faith and we call upon the Lord whom, die, whom Christ Jesus having died for our sins. It's so simple. 
It's so, it's so simple. God has done it all and by faith we believe unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. This is the word of faith that we preach, Paul says. And he goes on to tell us even further. He says, how does faith come? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Because you know why? Because when we hear the word of God, it continues to give us the, subs- the substance, doesn't it? So when we talk about salvation, you preach Christ. There, there's the substance. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. There's Christ right there. There's our, the foundation. And so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And that's why it's important uh, that principle applies right throughout. That's why we sit here under the teaching and ministry in order that we would, be, we would grow in our faith. It's faith towards God. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. It says who believes in him for salvation. You see, we're trusting in Christ alone. And we are believing that God is the one. Let's define faith further because in Hebrews, again, chapter, uh, six, uh, chapter 11, verse 6, it says, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he who comes to God must believe that he is. You see, the, the, I mean, that's the first step. It's, it's real simple, isn't it? You must believe that he is. He is. That's the face, the foundation, and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. But we must, there's, there's the foundation of faith. We must believe that he is. We're believing in Jesus. But that's the start. But we talk about the issue of justification. Turn to Romans chapter 3, verse 21, because here we see again how this faith works. This is why we're reading this, because I want you to see what our faith is based upon and where our faith is based upon Christ. It is based upon his work. It's based upon his word. And we also, as a result of of our our faith, we are declared righteous in the sight of God. Romans chapter 3, verse 21. But now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe, for there is no difference. There it is again, a clear reiteration of this through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate the righteous, his righteousness because in his forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness and that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. You see, this is what faith towards God, faith in Jesus Christ, Faith in his finished work. The righteousness of God apart from the law has been revealed. Now we don't have to try and attain to anything. God has done it all. It's been witnessed by the law and the prophets and that it is in Jesus Christ to honour all and to all who believe. What is it? The righteousness of God. That's why by faith in Jesus Christ... These, the evidence of things not seen uh, uh, is that there we, but by faith we know that we are being declared righteous. Can you say amen? Do I feel like that all the time? No. Do I feel like that at all? No. But you see, we don't live the Christian life based on the way we feel. We don't base it on the way in which sometimes we live and in which we fail God. But if we come in repentance and we come in faith and we understand the provision of his blood and all that he has accomplished and his righteousness that has been imputed and that we stand holy and blameless in his sight, amen, we have faith in the blood. We have faith in Christ and all that he has done and so we can stand here and say confidently, I am righteous. The world will look at you and say, who do you think you are? (laughs) How can you have the audacity to say that? No one. 
Because, but we understand that it is positional, it's, it, is, it is imputed, it is something that is received by faith in Jesus Christ. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's all God has done and all in which he has said. Faith is the critical key word. That's why in Romans chapter 1, Verse 16, and this is a key, a key principle throughout the book of Romans. But Paul says, listen, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew and for so the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Now note here, because this is very important, though we talk about the principle of faith towards God in relation to salvation, the principle of faith goes beyond that. And so we, see, we just through these words alone, we begin to identify, because we find the expression faith to faith. For the just shall live by faith. And so in other words now, this faith towards God is a lifelong uh, uh, journey by which we continue to trust in him. Amen? Even until that day comes where he comes to us or we go to be with the Lord. Amen? Paul says, I am confident to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. How does he know that? Because God said it and he believes it and he's trusting God and he's confidently standing upon it and he's praising God for it. That's how we talk. That's the word of faith. Amen. But faith to faith. A Christian life is about faith. We go from faith to faith. Remember I said to you earlier about the mustard seed. And then we spoke, though the mustard seed is the smallest of all seeds, we're talking about, in this context, the, um, the genuineness of faith or the quality of that faith. But you see, uh, faith is to grow, amen? Our faith is to develop. Our faith is to mature as we go along in the Christian life. And it has to. If we're going to uh, um, um, survive the trials and the temptations and the experiences that life brings before us. Amen? Rona said that she was 90 today in her prayer and she said that the Lord has sustained me over the longevity of my life. And so, and it's in that testimony that we find this is where it's from faith to faith. The just shall live by faith because this is the very thing that comes under assault in the Christian life from the enemy is to weaken us and to for us to struggle in our trust in God. What does the scripture say? What is the victory that overcomes the world? Our faith. Faith is, causes us to overcome. Overcome the struggles, overcome the temptations, overcome the battles. And they're there, mark it down. We would be, we would be kidding ourselves to say that the uh, the Christian life is a bed of roses. It's not. It is. Uh, it is can, can be filled with uh, grief and sufferings, but yet the faithfulness of God. And our faith transcends that which is physical, that which is natural, and it locks into Him in such a way, Amen, that it brings stability, it brings strength, it brings uh, hope and joy and rejoicing into our lives. That's how faith works. Let's look a little further. You see, when Paul's writing, going back to the Hebrews, when Paul's writing to them and, uh, and remembering the context is that they were considering uh, the temptation was to go back unto the law and to turn back and to forsake uh, certain aspects that related to Christ alone and begin to turn back to dead works of religion and to the old covenant. But what's interesting is the warning that Paul gives them in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35. He writes and says, Therefore do not cast away your confidence which has great reward. 
For you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. There it is again. The just shall live by his faith. But if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. You see, again, don't cast away your confidence. See, this is what faith is. It's a confidence and trust in the Lord. Sometimes you can't work out why, what's going on in life. You can't find the answers that we want sometimes. And it can be, uh, and the effect of that can really challenge us and cause us to struggle. And yet, uh, and uh, there are things that can get in the way, and uh, it wants to undermine and ebb away at your confidence. And the scripture says, don't cast away your confidence, because it has great reward. And more than that, we are to, the just shall live by faith. This is the principle of the Christian life. And therefore, uh, no, 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 no one draw back. Don't turn your back on God. Just be, uh, you know, oh, I've had enough of this. You know, you know, why is God this? Why God that? And those questions can arise. And we've got to guard our hearts because the enemy wants us to get bitter. He wants us to get uh, angry at God. And yet we must uh, hold fast and we must cling to him and we must draw near to him. Job said, though he slay me, Yet I will trust him. Trust him. I will trust him. I don't understand. I'm going through so much. The pain is unbearable. But whatever the case may be, he knew the character of God and he said, I will trust him. You see, one of the fundamental warnings to the Hebrew Christians that Paul was uh, writing to, was that they were waning in their faith towards God. And so Paul was warning them about unbelief, that they would that don't fall into the trap of unbelief, because unbelief is the enemy of faith. Let me just turn to a couple of scriptures here. Go to Hebrews again and go from chapter 3, verse 12. This is a common theme. Uh, remember, and remember this, unbelief, is always married to disobedience because disobedience is the fruit of unbelief in the same way obedience is the fruit of faith. Okay? So let's see this. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 12. Beware. Here's the warning to these Hebrews Christians. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Now they're heavy words, aren't they? An evil heart of unbelief. Look at verse 19 of chapter 3. The, the writer's talking here, Paul's referring to Israel and their experience and what he refers to as the wilderness wanderers, so to speak. And he says in verse 19, so we see that they could not enter into, well, this is the promised land, because of unbelief. Unbelief had a devastating effect and consequence in their experience. And the truth is, is it can in the Christian life. Paul's not writing here to the unbeliever. He's writing to and warning and exhorting the believer, brethren, brothers and sisters, beware, because we can fall into the same trap and the issue of unbelief is significant. Now, remember, there's a connection. Unbelief leads to disobedience. Go to chapter 4 of Hebrews. Look at verse 6. Since therefore it remains that some may... Uh, it's talking about the rest. But it says, Since therefore it remains that some must enter it, and those whom it was first preached did not enter because of disobedience. So the, the issue of the Israelites was, one, was their unbelief, Two, it was led to their disobedience. And this disobedience can translate into the Christian life. This is a warning to these parallels. Look at verse 11 of chapter 4 again. It says, Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone 
fall according to the same example of disobedience. Now that rest is Christ, okay? Paul's writing to the Hebrews because they're thinking, uh, you know what, we might just you know, go back to their fearful. They have to go back and practice various aspects of the law and they're not fully trusting in Christ alone. Christ is the Sabbath. Christ is the rest, amen. And, and faith alone rests in him. But, uh, but then when you begin to deviate away, uh, Paul is saying, be careful because you will fall into disobedience. And when you have a false view of Christ, when you begin to practice things that are not according to the true, true doctrine, you always will manifest in some level of disobedience. So we're being warned against disobedience. Again, these are the, uh, the issue, the enemy of faith. You know, what's interesting is the Greek word for unbelief is the Greek word apistia. And, it, and remember, for the Greek word for faith, it means pistis. It's, it's the same word, but with the A being put in front of the Greek word, it, it is a prefix, and it literally means no. So when God talks about unbelief, he's saying there's no faith. Simple, isn't it? Elementary. No faith. Unbelief is no faith, a refusal to believe and trust God. God said of Israel in Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 20, for they are perverse generation, children in whom there is no faith. No faith. And really, think about that for a moment because that's not how it should be. The scripture says it's faith towards God, that's the foundation and the just shall live by faith. And the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. In other words, the Christian life is about going from strength to strength. The, the, the Christian life is about a t internal growth, amen? Even though the outward may is perishing and, and going through various trials and sufferings, but the inward man is being renewed day by day. And it's in light of this, amen, that our faith is continually developing and growing. Now, now, let me say this. Your faith doesn't just, I mean, it does because your faith, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But if it was always just that simple, it would be great. But you know how faith grows? When you fall into various trials. When, you go have to, when your faith is tested under various circumstances of life. And then uh, Jesus says, I've got faith, praise the Lord. And then you find yourself in a cir some circumstances uh, and your faith now is on trial in a sense and it's being tested and we, have, we, we enter into a struggle, which is natural. But amen, faith overcomes. Faith must prevail and faith must make, may manifest in the midst of those circumstances. Can I draw you back to Hebrews 3.6? If we can just go there. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house we are, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. You see, this is in a sense what faith is. Again, we're finding another uh, a demonstration or uh, explanation of faith in whose house we are, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of hope. You know, it's not just, we're not just, hope's not just clinging on, hoping, you know, it's, it's just going to be all right. You know, with the hope that we have, we have a living hope, Christ. And when you have hope, amen, then that translates into rejoicing because you can hold fast to your confession. It's, that's trust. I'm going to trust him. And then yeah, that will translate into a rejoicing. That's why when you can come into the house of God, like Alice said this morning, you cannot. Sometimes I don't feel like everything in me, just, you know, I'm just mopey. I don't feel happy today. I'm in a mood. The soul is soulish, isn't it? As it was pointed out. The soul goes, sometimes I'm feeling good. Sometimes, you know what, I just don't feel like it. But you know what? That's irrelevant because rejoicing in God has nothing to do with the way I feel. I, and, when you, and when you don't feel, 
uh, if you come into the house of God not feeling like praising and you say, well, I just don't feel like it today, well, I'll say, well, have some faith. Rejoice in the Lord. Because, you know, lift up your hands and praise God because when you don't feel like it, that's exactly when you need to do it. That's what Pastor Werner said. I, I listen. <laughs> because and when, and when you believe and when you rejoice, then that, that, that you can hold fast and hold firm. And that changes things. Amen. Even though you outwardly can remain the same, inwardly things change because we are exercising trust and faith in God. You know, that word hold fast in Hebrews 3, it means to keep in memory, to hold fast, to make toward, make toward, or in other words, hold fast, make towards, faith towards God. I'm holding on to Christ. I'm holding on. Hold fast. See, when we hear this, we say, well, I know, we're talking about faith. It's so easy just to go on the flip side here and say, well, the Lord is holding us. And He is. He is. We're kept by the power of God. Okay? So there's a flip side to all of this in which God is there. I understand that. But what I'm saying is we find these exhortations in Scripture for a reason because there, there is a part that, that must be exercised in relation to faith from us. And we've got to make hold fast. We've got to stay. We've got to seize on. These words hold fast means to possess, to retain, to seize on. Because the enemy, is we, we, don't fight, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. But there's a spiritual battles and spiritual forces at work and what do they want to do? Undermine your faith. Steal your faith. Weaken your faith. Assault your faith. It's faith towards God. Let's reiterate this further. Hebrews 10. See the theme that we, we, we're drawing just from the Hebrews itself. Hebrews 10 verse 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful there's that word hold fast the confession of our hope and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together you see when you hold fast it's important amen to not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as is the manner of some but exhort one another and so much more as you see the day approaching again you know, when you don't feel like going to church, that's when you need to go to church. Actually, someone was telling me, just if I, uh, someone was just sharing with me, they, they woke up and they, you know, life is just, there's circumstances. You know, there was a, every reason and legitimate reason to stay at home. There were circumstances. You know, it would have been perfectly fine just to stay at home. But, came to church, and in doing so, God met with the individual. And then all of a sudden, you think, gosh, it's how it works. Because when you, when you make those decisions and, and to come into the house of God, God meets with us. When, you know, you know, when, when everything in you just wants to just step back, when everything in you just wants to have a break, maybe even legitimately, and I'm not saying there's no, not, not, you know, don't ever not come to church. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, sometimes it's our, you know, our attitude, amen? Sometimes when God recognises the disposition of our heart. And so, um, when you not feel like, it, feel like it, you know what, that's every reason to come. That's my advice. You don't feel like it, then come. Come, because God will meet with you. God will speak to you. When you need Him most. And that's how you hold fast to the confession of, your, of our faith. He's not forsaking the assembling of ourselves. Verse 22 of Hebrews chapter 10 says, Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Full assurance of faith. Again, I'm just touching upon these things to, to illustrate, not going into great depth here. But what we need is we need to grow in our faith towards God. And the way to do that is to continue just to read the Bible. You can read it in your own time, and I'm sure many are familiar with Hebrews 11. But Hebrews 11 gives us an overview of, of, of the heroes of faith. And 
you know, one thing that is evident, they held fast to their confession. They held fast. And they, these were people that suffered persecution, rejection. They forsook all. They lost all. They suffered much. They were beaten, killed. And all of these things, and the scripture says, uh, in, even in verse 13, you don't have to go there, but these all died in faith. Died in faith. Not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Can you see how it works, church? This is faith. And they obtained a good testimony for it. You see, that's just how we understand what faith is. Don't listen to the modern teachings of faith that we find in the church today, the word faith movement and faith and faith and faith. And, and, you know, they equate, you know, they say, oh my gosh, you're, you're so blessed, you must have great faith. Oh, really? Like, since when did you start measuring faith like that? Because my Bible doesn't even measure faith like that. That is a lie. That is not what faith is. It's got nothing to do with faith. Faith is God. You read the book of Hebrews in chapter 11. I mean, these heroes of faith wouldn't do well in the modern church. They would be considered failures. These are the heroes. And it's as we endure through the circumstances of life and as we hold fast our confession, as we continue to trust, the just shall live by faith and as we draw closer to God, amen, there we, we ourselves obtain a good testimony in the same manner. Looking, remember, faith towards God. This is the elementary principle. And what does Hebrew, again, Hebrews 12, verse 2, looking unto Jesus faith towards God looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith you've always got to be looking towards God always actually we were talking I can't remember the exact context Jim but um, we were talking in a Bible study or something about faith and, and um, uh, you know when Peter gets out of the boat and he's walking on water and then all of a sudden, he, uh, Jesus he takes his eyes off Jesus and he starts looking at the waves and the wind and all around and, and then he begins to sink and he cries out to Jesus, save me. And Jesus pulls him up and he says, oh, why? Why did you? Um, what's the word? He, uh, little faith or that Jesus uses. But again, see, because when you, when you have faith towards God, amen, that upholds us, that sustains us. Looking unto him, it's faith toward him. And so the, the Hebrew Christians had to be encouraged. They were struggling in their faith. And it's not wrong to struggle. We all go through trials. We'll go through struggles. We'll go through times of testing. These things are part and parcel of the Christian life. Don't condemn. But the thing is, is that in that, what's happening as a result of that is your faith getting stronger. Is, you, is your trust in God getting stronger? Are you growing in your faith? Because that's what we, this is what the Hebrews is about. Hebrews is filled with exhortations. It's filled with an encouragement. It's filled with warnings of, of the life of faith and uh, teaches us much. And I just want to conclude with one last thought in relation to the issue of faith towards God. In First Peter chapter 1 verse 6 to 9. Now listen to these words carefully. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness, that's the issue, the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes may be found to praise and honour and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You know, what? Listen, those words, just ponder those words. That the genuineness of your faith, because that's what is important, the genuineness of your faith, it is more precious than gold that perishes. Gold is considered the most precious commodity on earth. And our faith, is much more precious than gold that perishes. If there's anything that is the most critical thing, is our faith. 
And thank God that we have one who works with us, one who is faithful, one who, who never, will never leave us nor forsake us, one that has promised us so much, amen. And so we, we, though we go through various trials, our faith must increase, our faith must um, uh, uh, grow. And look at what it says in, in 1 Peter as I read on in verse 8. Whom having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Though you don't see him in the literal sense, but yet there, there is a, there, if there's ever words to portray the disposition of the heart of faith, it is this. It is to rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory that I can be on my deathbed and I can be riveted with pain and suffering. But inside me, amen, I'm ready to go and I am filled with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Death, where is your sting, amen? Our faith is the victory that overcomes the world. And our faith will always manifest itself in rejoicing and joy and the, uh, that is inexpressible and full of glory. And the world will never understand it. Verse 9, receiving the end, of your, the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Because that's where the battle rages, amen? In our souls. That's why... Uh, James says, receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. The, soul, the realm of the soul is where the struggle is in, in, in the Christian life. That's where the battle rages. That's where we, uh, uh, we, the heavenlies, if you want to call it, the realm of the soul, which is distinct from the spirit. And it's in that realm, amen, that we, 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 we are waging this, this war but I tell you, church, it doesn't matter what happens. This is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Our faith towards God overcomes everything, everything. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you this morning. God, we've looked at the issue of faith, one, not just as an elementary principle of which in it is in terms of salvation. But Lord, that which relates to our, uh, the journey of the Christian life, the just shall live by faith. Lord, I pray we as your people, we would go from faith to faith. Lord, that we would, we would hold fast. We would, Lord, grow in our faith. Lord, and I understand that you, uh, the genuineness of our faith is much more precious than gold that perishes. I know how it is imperative, Lord, and important it is to you. And Lord God, faith pleases you. Lord, I pray that we as your people would demonstrate a genuineness of our faith, a trusting in you that is real, not just in words alone, but God really trusting you in the circumstances of our lives when there's nothing else, Lord, to trust in where our confidence and our faith is in you, Lord. So I pray that you would bless your people this morning as we've come together. In Jesus' name, amen.